rules of the double dog dare. Listen closely. It begins with two opposing sides. Side one presents a seemingly insurmountable challenge known as a dare to side two. This dare is riddled with abounding risk, oftentimes with severe physical and social implications. When challenged, side two must accept or refuse the dare presented. Refusing is equally, if not more detrimental to one's social standing than actually accepting the dare and failing miserably. If side two reluctantly declines the dare, then of course the challenger is forced to raise the stakes and extend the ultimate requisition, the double dog dare. Everything is on the line. Risk it all and walk proudly in achievement, or lose and walk home with your tail between your legs. Only you can decide. Why do all dares have to be stupid, right? That's our contention in this series is that on the playground of life, whether when you were young or even extending into adulthood, there's some really stupid things that we get dared or pressured into doing. And what if we as a community, as a society, as a church, as just friends and neighbors said, okay, let's dare each other to do something that's actually good. Let's dare somebody to do something that's going to make a difference, not only in this life, not only in our physical life, but in eternity as well. And so that's been our hope, our challenge, our goal this series is that we're going to dare you to do something about what's going on in your life, to remove the obstacles that maybe are in your life that have been there for a while and to let God give you what he wants for you as we begin this first quarter of 2018. So we're going to give you five dares plus one. It's basically six dares. And our challenge to you has been to pick one of the dares, pick the one that maybe you feel like God's laying on your heart, the one where maybe you feel like you need the most work and to let that be your dare in this series and then we're going to bring that all together. But we've had a couple good dares so far. We'll review those here in just a second. But as I was talking throughout this week, I had a couple people come up to me and say, you know, it's hard to know which dare because every week I feel like, oh, that one's for me. Oh, that one's for me. And so it's hard to know until you get to the end. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a sneak preview. Today we're going to be talking about health and I'll get to that in just a second. Next week we're going to talk about relationships, taking off the mask and stepping into real, authentic community and relationships. So that'll be our dare next week. The week after that, uh, we're going to give you a marriage dare. We're going to dare you to fall back in love with your spouse, to prioritize your marriage and significant relationships. And then we're going to wrap this whole series up on Super Bowl Sunday, February 4th. And we're going to dare everybody to get in the game, to get serious about whatever it is that God has laid on your life, whatever it is that God's put forth to you in this series. So that's what's coming up. We got relationships, we got marriage coming up. There's today's dare, and then let's review our past two. Uh, on New Year's Eve, I dared you to say, hey, what's the most important thing for all of us in 2018? And we kind of came to this conclusion that the most important thing for anyone, but especially us as believers, would be to be able to listen to the voice of God and to obey that and to put that into practice in our lives. So I dared you to do those things, and kind of our action step there was to come up with a one word, and we had a little devotional that you could walk through and go through that if you still want 
to do that, it's up on our Facebook page. Many of you have given me your one words, and I've been praying through those, and I just want to be an encouragement to you. So if you did that or if that was your dare, write that down on your bulletin. I'd love just to know and to be able to walk alongside you as God uh, exposes that to you and as you press in uh, over the next couple of weeks. But that was our first dare, dare you to listen to God and to obey him in everything that you do. Our dare last week was along the same kind of lines. We said, hey, the most profitable habit that any of us can expose ourselves to, the most meaningful thing that we can engage in for anybody and any person is simply to read our Bible, to come face to face with God's truth and to expose it like a mirror to ourselves. And so I dared you to read the entire Bible. I know that was last week and you've slept since then, uh, but let me remind you, in 15 minutes a day, you can read through the entire Bible this year. If that sounds like too much, in five minutes a day, you can read through the New Testament in the entire year. And we put up a whole bunch of challenges, some tools to help and equip you to do that. Uh, that's at theporchchurch.tv backslash Bible Dare. And so if you're thinking that might be your dare, I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast or get caught up on YouTube. We put all of our sermons out there uh, so you can get caught up on one of those dares. Or if you know that you're going to miss the one that maybe you want to hear, you can subscribe to our podcast, uh, porchchurch.tv backslash podcast. But we want you to pick one of these dares. Maybe it's one that we've talked about. Maybe as we kind of preview what's coming up, you're like, ooh, I think that one might be, might be what I need to hear. I just encourage you to prioritize hearing that message and putting it into place, and then we're all going to come together February 4th, uh, and we're going to do kind of a wrap-up to challenge everybody to get into the game. So that's a little overview of where we're going, but let's talk about today, right? As we kind of reviewed, both of those were very similar dares, right? Both spiritual in nature, dare you to listen to God, dare you to read your Bible, okay, right? That's what you expect coming to church, and you might be going, hey, I thought this series was going to be really, really practical. I thought it was going to be really down to earth, and I would say, first off, that hurts my feelings. But second off, what I would say is that, okay, we'll go super, super practical today. So today, we're going to be talking about health, what it means to be healthy in multiple areas of our life. And you may be going, okay, let's just pause right there. I didn't come to church to talk about dieting and working out, right? Let's stick to the Bible. Let's keep it spiritual, Pastor, but it's too late. We're already going there. Uh, So we're going to talk about what it means to be healthy, both in our physical bodies, but also in our various appetites, the ways in which that this plays itself out. And so to kind of start this conversation, I just have a simple question that I think will be a thread to trace us through our entire time together. And if you're brave enough, this isn't the actual dare, but I dare you to answer this question and to write it down in your bulletin. That may mean you have to talk about it. It may mean that a spouse or somebody who's sitting next to you might ask you a question about what you wrote down, but I dare you to do it. So here's, as we start, what I would ask you. What conquers you? What conquers? What's your greatest weakness? What's that area of your life that continually kind of puts you under? What's the thing that you seem to always be struggling against that you can't quite seem to get over? What comes up over and over again? If something's going to take you out, what is it going to be? What conquers you? Honestly, I think this is a really easy question for most of us. I think it's the first thought when we look in the mirror in the morning or when we get to work or when we have a difficult conversation or a difficult time, right? My wife and I, we kind of have this saying around our house that everybody knows what they're terrible at. 
right? Everybody knows what they're insufficient in. We all know these areas of weakness in our lives and in our hearts. What we're far more uh, deficient in is what we're actually good at, those things that we excel at. But today I want to start by asking just that question, right? What takes you out of the game? If anything's going to sink your ship, what is it? What poor behavior or habitual sin will sideline you in the significant areas of your life? What conquers you? And, and here's why I think that question is so incredibly important, especially as we have our conversation today. You may remember that throughout this series that we've been exposing ourselves to a truth, and then we've given a dare, and then we've put a call to action at the end of that. And the reason why I think this question matters is because the truth uh, of the matter is simply this, that your quality of life, our quality of life, rarely rises past whatever conquers us. Our quality of life, the things that are important in our lives, the things that we want to do and to achieve, the things that we want to have happen, rarely rise above those areas that habitually conquer us. Whether they're sin issues, whether they're just simple lack of obedience or lack of discipline, nothing pushes us to that failure mindset than those things that habitually come up to conquer us. If you need proof of that, don't look any further than the news cycle, right? Harvey Weinstein and a whole list of other rich and powerful men rose to a level where their character was conquered by their inappropriate desire, by their lust for power, among other things. And while they enjoyed success for a long time in their life, they now find themselves at the mercy and the whim of their teenage indulgences that they never learned to curb or to control. The success, the impact, the reach of your life, your ability to have all that God would have for you hinges on this simple reality that no matter what, whatever conquers you, whatever has the ability to take you out will grow beyond its boundaries and it will overflow into every single area of your life. What conquers you? What has the ability to take you out? What can't you get past? Because these things become the lids on our lives, to our hopes, to our achievements, and ultimately to, I think, what God would have us accomplish in our lives. What's your Achilles heel? What's your kryptonite? What habit or ability or circumstance do you find yourself losing to over and over again? Because no matter what your goals are in life, no matter what you hope to achieve or set out to achieve, eventually, if you get there, it will only last so long if you don't conquer what conquers you. Because we all want to get better. We all have areas of drive and strive. We all have things that we don't want to stay the same, right? This is the whole idea behind New Year's resolutions is that we want to get better physically, spiritually, relationally. Pick whatever area of your life. We're not content to stay here. We want to improve. I think that's from God and I think that's good. But the things that hold us back from that eventually turn into character issues, Whatever conquers you, whatever you can't seem to overcome, ends up being something that will take you out of all that God has for you. So here's the bottom line. I'm going to take this a little bit personally, so we're going to talk about one specific area, but my challenge to you is as we dig into one particular facet of this, that you would open up to whatever you wrote down, to however God might be speaking to you, and that you would apply this personally, but I'm going to level with you. As we talk about dares, as we talk about personal application, this one is my dare for this series, right? I'm walking right alongside you. I'm daring myself to remove some hurdles and obstacles that God has for me, and nothing in my life will sideline me quicker or faster or more habitually than, this is super spiritual, are you ready? 
my eating habits. Like, I love to eat, right? And all God's people said, amen, right? It's in Scripture. Jesus says, do this often in remembrance of me. He's talking about a meal. I'm just being biblical. That's all I'm saying. But I love to eat. And, and the reality of that is, is that more than any other habit in my life, this continually rears its head over and over again, right? I'm thoroughly in the camp that says, I work out because I enjoy eating, right? I don't work out just to work out. I don't enjoy work out, working out. Those of you who do, worry me quite a lot. Like, I just don't, I just don't get it personally. That's just not me. I eat or I work out so that I can eat what I want. Now, the only problem with that is, is that when I moved, I kind of stopped my workout plan. And, and I didn't exactly adjust my eating plan at all, if you know what I'm saying, right? So I'm at higher elevation. I'm still learning how to cope with these things. But for me, this dare, this discipline is what it takes for me that I need to conquer, that I need to come over because it will spill over into other areas of my life, right? So that's just me, but now level with me. What in your life rises into that same level? You may come right alongside me and go, yeah, that might be it for me. You might have written down something differently, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this, and my hope is that you can pull out the same truths and that they apply a little bit broader than just this one area. So here we go. Here's why this matters. Here's why our health across all continuums, not just our physical health, not just eating, but our spiritual health, our emotional health, our maturity, the way in which we deal with relationships, whatever, whatever area you might have written down, here's why that matters. Because at a fundamental level, our bodies are spiritual. Our bodies are spiritual, which is about as contradictory as I think you can get, right? This physical shell, this thing that we inhabit, this thing that houses our spirit is actually spiritual by nature in and of itself. Let me tell you what I mean. We're going to open to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you brought a Bible or if you want to pull out your smartphone, you can connect to version. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, if you didn't, I'd encourage you to slip your hand up. Our ushers would love to bring you uh, a Bible. They'd be happy to uh, do that for you. If you do, you get to cheat because I give you the page number. It's on page 537. So if you'd like to borrow a Bible, uh, please do that. If you don't own a Bible, just keep this. It's our gift to you. We just want you to have God's Word in your life. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to jump in right at the end of the chapter, verse 19 and 20, page 573. Here's what Paul says to the church at Corinth. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Temple, such a strong word in this context, right? Who lives in you and was given to you by God. Listen, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with our bodies, with your body. See, here's the deal. When we have areas of our life that conquer us, that take us out on this physical space, it has spiritual implications and ramifications because this body, this thing that we have that's only temporary, houses the very Holy Spirit of God. Don't miss that. This is what Jesus came to produce and to purchase for us that we carry around within us, within our imperfect selves, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. And so what we do with our bodies, what we do on this horizontal level ultimately has a spiritual impact. 
Whether that's eating habits and health in that perspective, whether it's uncontrolled lusts and control in other areas of your lives, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, I don't care what conquers you, whatever it is that you feel that comes up against this physical body that you inhabit is ultimately against God's will for your life. It's against what he would have revealed for you. Make no mistake, your bodies, the things that we inhabit around us, this physical plane is absolutely spiritual in nature and in how it plays out. And so I told you that this goal, this series, is that you would pick one of these. And if this is yours, you might be going, man, it may not be eating for me. It may be something different. But the reality is that for each of us, we have something that takes us out. So when it comes to this area, right, when it comes to working out, what takes us out, what stops us from doing what God has called us to you, the dare is, the challenge is to identify those areas and to fight back so that we could have all that God would have for us. Because I think that no matter what area of your life, I, I hope this translates, it translates in the physical at least, so maybe you can go with me there, that when it comes to health, when it comes to doing things correctly, that our health is kind of on a continuum. So I put this up on the screen, right? We can call this line just maybe that, that picture of health, right? And, and we kind of exist along and there's ends on both ends. And, and the idea is kind of to stay in the middle of this, and we'll get to that in a second. But health is maybe straight up and down there. Maybe it's right in the middle. We have things that pull us to one side or the other. Again, we're going to tackle this through the lens of eating. We're going to tackle it through the lens of our physical bodies, and hopefully you can contextualize to whatever area God and the Holy Spirit might be laying uh, on your hearts. But on one end, right, there are people who idolize. There are people who create, who create false idols out of this physical space, out of the temporary things that we have, right? So let's put that in the realm of food, right? It's easy to see in this conversation. There are people who idolize food to an extreme. They're consumed with their appearance. They're negatively impacted. Some of this spirals into eating disorders, negative behaviors, and unhealthy ways. Other times it just becomes excessive and exhaustive calorie counting and macro watching, and we guise it under the realm of physical fitness. But for a lot of people, the net result can be an unhealthy obsession with what body looks like or with what their body looks like. So this can translate into any area of our life, right? Sometimes we create an idol out of our career, create an idol out of achieving what we have to do to striving for success, to being the best of the best of the best, to ultimately putting this lofty goal out there that is unhealthy, that is unrealistic, that doesn't put us in the center of God's will for our lives. Sometimes it can be financial to strive to be to such a level that we would simply not have to depend on anything else, and that be, can become an idol to us. Occasionally, relationships, even family, can fall into this idolatrous sense of what it means to be healthy, and it pushes us askew. It drags us out of the middle where God has us and puts us on one end of the paradigm. See, when we create an idol, we distort and we over-elevate the importance of that area of our life. It becomes distorted. We put more pressure, more weight on achieving whatever that thing is, whatever it is that we would still want to achieve, right? And if we're talking about physical appearance or maybe whatever God laid on your heart here, our society, right, media, social media, everything that appears successful and good, everything that we want can push us toward idolatry toward the way things appear on the outside. And we find ourselves dwelling there. We become overwhelmed with what exists in the physical state, and we miss the spiritual connection, right? 
And it's not just our food, right? It applies to any area, to justice, to fairness, to how we spend our social time, relationships that we think are important, our desires, the lusts of our flesh, whatever the exact term or not that God laid on your heart, some things push us toward idolatry. Of course, the problem with idolatry is that it means that anytime there's a false idol, anytime there's something that's falsely set up, that thing, whatever it is, that picture of our desired future, that desired outcome, ultimately is our master. We end up serving a false god, we end up serving a false idol instead of serving the one true God. Easy to see that this is unhealthy, not in God's plan for us. So whatever conquers you, is it an idol? Is it something that needs to be torn down? Is it a false sense of future, a false sense of expectation? Is it something that is competing with God in your life? Something that's competing with God's view of a healthy picture for your life? Because if it is, it's idolatry. That idol becomes our master, becomes what owns us. So that's one end of the continuum. If health is our goal, if staying in the middle, we can be pushed and pulled towards idolatry. Not intentionally, or I don't think any of us would intentionally move that direction, but it creeps in and it shows in our time and the things that we do, the things that we strive for. But there's another end to this continuum. There's another direction that we can get pulled to. And if you've been a Christ follower for any length of time, or if you've been around church long enough, we may tend to fall into this category, thinking that we're spiritual, thinking that we're healthy, but really it's the opposite. It's as unhealthy as idolatry can be. But if one end of the spectrum is to idolize to the point of obsession, then the other end is to marginalize, to not pay any attention to certain key areas of our life because we don't deem them spiritual spiritual enough. We neglect our bodies. We neglect our relationships. We neglect our careers, our finances, our families, whatever you want to put in there. And we say, well, because that's not church, because that's not Bible, because that's not explicitly spelled out for me, we marginalize those areas. The net result of this, we're going to put the word there of abuse. So if health is in the middle, we can create false idols by obsessing at one end. The other end is that we ignore to the point of abuse. Let's look at this physically again as we take our bodies into consideration, that we don't take care of what God has given us. Again, this is a gift that was purchased at a great price, and we just simply marginalize it. We don't take a priority to our eating habits or to exercise. We We find ourselves slipping into other equally sinful habits, and so we abuse what God has given us. To us. Again, don't just leave it in the physical realm if that's not what conquers you. It applies to our family, it applies to our money, it applies to career and relationships, it applies to marriages that too often we abuse and marginalize those areas rather than fighting for God's picture of health. I love this illustration that Paul talks to the Philippian church about in Philippians 3.19. He's talking about people who are outside of the church, and he says they are headed for destruction. Don't miss this. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Their God is their appetite. Again, we can easily contextualize that into food and saying, well, we need to control our food desires, all those kinds of things. But what appetites, what desires, when we re-ask that, what conquers you question, what are the drives and desires that perhaps have become a God to you? Right? That's that idolatry side, but by the same post it says they brag about things that are shameful. I'll let you pick whatever news illustration you want to to fill in that gap, but man, they are out there. 
but they think only about this life here on earth. In other words, they marginalize, they abuse the spirituality of what God has given us in this moment. Paul's clear definition there is that this falls outside of the realm of God's plan for health for all areas of our lives. See, when we abuse our lives, we distort and devalue what it means to belong to God. And our indulgences become our master. When we abuse our lives, the bodies that God's given us in any sphere that you want to put in there, we distort and devalue what it means to belong to God and our indulgences become our master. And if indulgence is our master, then guess who isn't? So we see both ends of the spectrum pull us away from putting God in his proper place and towards putting either a thing, a false God, an idol, a picture of health and success, whatever it might be for you, or we marginalize and abuse to the point where we neglect the gift that God has given us. And either way, we don't allow God to be in his proper place because God's goal for us is health. That was in the very first verse that we read towards the end of 1 Corinthians 6, 20. He says, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Right? What does health look like from a biblical perspective? It looks like honoring God in every significant area of our lives. Not to idolize, nor to abuse, not to marginalize, or to overindulge, but to come to a healthy place where we honor and respect all that God has given us and all that we have. This is in the previous introduction that we didn't read to these verses. Paul's laying out a case, and if you jump back with me to verse 12, let's see how he sets up this argument. He's speaking to the church, and he says, hey, you say that I'm allowed to do anything, in quotes, right? But not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not be a slave to anything, right? You say food was made for the stomach and stomach for food, but Paul says, hey, this is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality because, don't miss this, they were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. Our bodies are spiritual, the things that we have, and whether that translates to a physical health goal for you or towards health and relationships or finance or career, whatever it may be for you, this physical life that we have is a gift from God, and he expects us to honor him by the way that we occupy this space that he has given us. The things that we do, the things that we have, were all purchased by God for us. In other scriptures, right, it uses this term ransomed, which means that we were imprisoned, that we were taken over by these things that conquer us, by these things that push us into a specific direction. But Jesus came to set us free from those attitudes and habits and desires. It says you don't have to live that way anymore because Jesus came. So here's the dare for us as we kind of finally get there. But with all of these things in mind, the dare is very, very simple. We dare you to get healthy. Pick whatever area of life that this kind of is hitting on, whether it's food, whether it's your physical body, emotional career, whatever you wrote down in that, what conquers you part. And the dare is to get healthy in that area, to push back against both ends of the spectrum, to push back against idolatry and the false master there, to push back against abuse and neglect and to actually take care of what God has given us, to push back on both of those ways and to find the way to honor God and that particular influence in your life. And so the action is a little bit hard to define because it's going to be different for each of us, but I'll just phrase it this way. Your action to do this dare is to conquer what conquers 
you. To find that area of your life where you find yourself habitually falling for and to do some work to undo what God would have you do in that area. To fight the battle that it takes to stay current and to push back against those things. To honor God and to fight for health in every significant area of your life. So let me play this out for you, right? So I had, a, I had a really good friend of mine who was a personal trainer. We put a workout plan together, and I would go to the gym often, three, four days a week. I'd work the plan. I did what it did. I did this for you know, a year and a half, however long that it was. But we were having a conversation where I'd tell him, man, I'm just frustrated. I'm taking time away from my family. I'm taking time away uh, from things that I would rather be doing, and I'm just not seeing the results that I wanted. Sure, I'm getting stronger. Sure, I can put more weights on the end of the dumbbell. Big whoopity-doo. That's not what I want out of this. I want the scale to move in the direction that I want to move it for, which led us to a conversation about eating, led us to a conversation about the foods that we eat. See, I was undoing all the work I was putting in because I was fighting the wrong battle. See, my problem wasn't that I wasn't putting in enough reps at the gym, that I wasn't lifting enough weights. The problem was that I wasn't eating what I needed to be eating to sponsor and fund that area of my life. Here's the translation. If you don't know what conquers you, If you don't know what takes you out, if you don't know what your kryptonite is, if you don't know what that thing is, you'll spend your entire life fighting the battles around it, but never actually fighting and confronting the area that God wants to give you the most freedom and deliverance in. You're fighting the wrong battle. You're trying to win the battle that isn't really the fight to be fought. So instead, we dare you to get healthy by looking square in the face of that thing that you know that God has for you to correctly identify it through accountability and conversations and self-reflection and prayer and to come up with an action plan to go, okay, if this area I keep falling to, if this sin, if this thing keeps taking me out, if my relationships with my kids or my relationship with my wife or my career or my finances is whatever it is, if I keep losing this battle, how do I instead win this battle? How do you conquer what conquers you? Because make no mistake, God cares about your physical body. God cares about winning in those areas. And maybe your action plan needs to include a gym partner. Maybe somebody to track food with you. Somebody to hold you accountable. Maybe you need to make a budget. Maybe you need to spend less time on a hobby. Maybe you need uh, to clear your calendar and to insert some more white space. Maybe it's accountability software on your computer and smartphone. I don't know what takes you out. But the one thing that I know more than anything, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that Jesus came to provide you a way to not be subservient to that anymore. Nothing else has to be your master except Jesus Christ. And any area that you continually fall prey to is an area where you don't have God's fullness in your life. And let me prove it to you. Romans 8, 31 and 37 says it this way. Wait. Then what shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? And know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, there's a reason that I'm dwelling and pulling out that conquering language. Because I think it's easy to relate to. We all know the area where we fall short. But the reality is that in Christ, that Christ came to propel us beyond those things. Whatever comes against you, whatever conquers you, whatever area you continually fall to, the scripture says, Jesus says, no, I came to pay that ransom. You're no longer indebted. That thing, that idol, that abuse, whatever it is, is no longer your master. In all these things, Jesus says, we are more 
than conquerors. So that's the challenge for you today. What's it going to take for you to conquer what conquers you? What's it going to take to have the time of self-reflection and self-application to know that what God has for you is more than the areas that you continually fall prey to? You are more than a conqueror in Jesus. And so while I don't know what takes you out, I know that Jesus has provided a way for you to stand up underneath it. So what conquers you? Because whatever that area is, you may be doing fine right now. You may have it under control. No, it may not be an idol. It may not be an abuse. I'm doing okay. But make no mistake, the truth is that eventually that area will overflow its banks and it will cascade into the other areas of your life. And you'll look back, maybe to this moment, maybe to some other time in your life where you're going, man, I missed it. I fought the wrong battle. I thought I was being successful. I thought I was pursuing my career, but at the end of it, that was the wrong battle to be fighting. I thought I was fighting against the the time that I was spending doing this thing or that thing, but really it was how I was investing myself therein. Because whatever conquers you will eventually take you out. And so the dare is to get healthy and to conquer what conquers you, because in Christ you are more than a conqueror. You have everything that you need to achieve all that God has for you. I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads quickly. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. Maybe you actually took me up on that and you wrote down what conquers you on that piece of paper and now it's staring right back at you. And and you know that whatever piece of this came from God, And so I just want you to sit a little bit with that holy discontent, with that opportunity, with that ability to hear from God. Maybe this is your dare. Maybe this is that opportunity where God's speaking to you and going, hey, it's time to deal with that thing, with that big, ugly thing that's in the closet that we never like to talk about. God says, hey, I want you to be free from that. I died. I paid your ransom so that that thing would no longer be your master, but that you would truly honor me in all that you do. We're double dog daring you to get healthy. Whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, again, we're trying to encompass whatever it is that God laid on your heart this morning. What's it going to take for you to win that battle? What's it going to take for this not just to be another year where you fall prey to the same thing over and over again? What's it going to take for this year to be different? Heavenly Father, God, I believe that you care about every facet, every small, teeny, tiny part of our lives. And God, I believe that you want to give us the fullness of your presence in every single area that we have. God, nothing is too small for you. Nothing is hidden from you. And so, God, now in this moment, I pray that those hearts and souls who are dealing with this, that they would come face to face with you to know that you love them, that you have what's best for them, that you want more for them than they could even see or know or understand for themselves. And that, God, that you would remind them that they don't have to be victim or fall prey to this area of their lives. God, nothing has to conquer them because in Christ Jesus, they are the conquerors. And so, God, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would move and rest on people, that as they deal with this, God, if this is their dare, if this is what you would have for them, God, that you would give them the overwhelming courage to stand boldly with your son Jesus as their advocate and declare, no more will I lose this fight. That it wouldn't just be in this room and in this music with music playing underneath it, God, but that it would carry on into our life, that it would be a lunch conversation that we have and rawly confess to a loved one, a friend, and someone just 
just go, hey, I'm tired of being taken out by this area of my life and I want your help to overcome it. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do all of these things, that we would carry this with us, that you would dare us and challenge us to become fully healthy in every area of our life. God, we believe that you can do this through the power of your son, Jesus Christ, who ransomed us from those things and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells inside our physical bodies because we are his temple. All God's kids agreed together and they said in one voice,